Everybody have a nice Thanksgiving? Good. Yeah, we're moving past Thanksgiving into um, Christmas. And of course, as we move into the Christmas season, we move into a Christmas series, an Advent series. And you know, as, as Amy was talking about that, I, I got to say, I don't preach a lot of waiting sermons. I don't. And, and maybe that's a, a flaw on my behalf, but, but, but I tend to think that, that, that to a certain point, <laughs> with the coming of Jesus and the giving of the Holy Spirit, God doesn't want us waiting too much. <laughs> God wants us moving. And, and what I've realized, as, as, even as she was speaking as I prepared this series, most of my series, when, when it comes to Christmas, are probably not traditional Advent series in the fact that I don't, I don't spend a great deal of time talking about waiting because my impression, and this is maybe my personality or maybe this is just maybe my perspective of the world, is that the church is waiting too much. <laughs> uh, that, that it's time for the church to stop waiting and get moving. <laughs> uh, because we live in a world where it doesn't need a waiting church. It needs an empowered, gifted church ready to expand God's kingdom. And so I apologize beforehand. This is not a waiting series. And this is an Advent series where we focus on the gift that has been given, the gift of Jesus Christ. And we're calling this series Regifting or Regifted. Regifting has negative connotations, I know that. Uh, you know, I, I can remember one Christmas when Spencer was two or three, we just wrapped up his older brother's toys and re-gifted him those toys. Uh, I, I, it, sounds, it sounds awful when I say it out loud, but he was happy and we were happy. Uh, you know, it's good when you just have boys. You can just give them the same clothes, same gifts. And so we had a, he had a Christmas. He got other gifts as well. But a substantial part of his Christmas was, hey, let's just wrap up this Superman and give it all over again. Uh, and sometimes re-gifting. And I thought about, should I ask people to raise their hand if they've ever re-gifted? I've re-gifted. Uh, you know, I, I admit it that at times I have re-gifted. And, you know, re-gifting has that connotation of, oh, it's time to go to this Christmas party. I didn't buy anything. Here, let's give them this fruitcake that we got last year because we know that fruitcakes never go bad. Um, you know, for, for, I, I pick on fruitcakes a lot. Who, who out here likes fruitcakes? Who, who's, are they really good? Okay, okay, well, maybe, maybe I'll eat one that I've got stored in the basement and, uh, because I do believe that they have a nuclear shelf life and they could last forever. Uh, but, but, but that's the connotations with regifting. But, but I think regifting has a, a greater connotation when we think of God. And we think of the gift that God has given. And, and so in this series, the focus is not giving bad gifts that you didn't want to someone else. But the focus is giving God's gift. And how can we re-gift God's gift? Uh, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And, and that's probably, besides Jesus wept, one of the first verses all of us have ever learned. And, and, and it's this gift. God's greatest gift was Jesus. 
And, and when we talk about the love of God, in, in, in my theology, I, I think the love of God is expressed in our obedience to God, and, and Jesus' love was, Jesus' obedience expressed the love of God. His willingness to go showed us God's love. And, and so he gave this gift of love by being willing to go. And, and he reflected the love of God. And he, he shows us how to live so that we can reflect the love of God. That the significance of Christmas is, is that somehow through Jesus Christ, we see what it means to follow the Father in a way that we show his love to a lost and dying world. You know, God had told his people how to live. O over and over, th through the Bible, through the prophets, through, through Moses, th through his leaders, God had over and over told the people how to live. I mean, the Old Testament is full of instructions. that They, they weren't lacking written instructions, and yet they never seemed to get it. In the book of Micah, we, we find in, in chapter 6, God once again talking to his people and, and telling them, Micah is written around 700 B.C. This means that, that, that they had had the law for about 700 years. Moses, the great lawgiver, had given the Ten Commandments and the law 700 years before the prophet Micah. That they had, it was 300 years after King David. So, so they'd had Samuel, and they'd had David, and they'd had Solomon. They'd had all these people who had given them instruction. They'd had king after king that had felled. Israel, the northern kingdom at the time of Micah, is in exile or close to exile. Jerusalem will fall in about 586 B.C., which is about 150 years from the time of Micah, 150 more years. But Micah, once again, God's telling them how to live. It's a beautiful verse. In fact, it may be, how many times have I said, this may be my favorite verse since I've been your pastor? But I love this verse. I love the simplicity of what God says to his people, but, but you can't help but see the frustration or hear the frustration in God's voice as he once again tells the people what he wants from them. With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? Does the Lord delight in thousands of rams and 10,000 river, 10, rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious act, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, old man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? beautiful. Simple. You know, what does God want from his people? Now, now some of your translations, if you're reading out there, will say, I have shown you, oh man, what is good. But that's really not probably the best translation of the word, the Hebrew word here. That The better translation, the, the best is, I have told you. I have told you how to live. Do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly with your God. 
See, God calls us to care for one another, and He calls us to relationship with Him, and and He doesn't call us to simply religious observation. (laughs) It's not about a sacrificial system. It's about a relationship and a love for each other. That's what God calls His people to. And so in this passage, He says, do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. And I'm going to confess, I've preached through this passage before. And as I began this series, I thought, well, yeah, I preached through. I'll look some of the, through some of my old sermons on this, and, and you know, it'll be kind of easy. You know, you can use those as a form. But, but God drew something else out of His Word from this passage this time around. And, and that's what I like about God and what I like about the Word. The Word's ever living. <laughs> and you can look at the Bible and you can, you can see something, and then the next time you can see it, you can see something deeper or different or significantly changed. You know, it's like light through a prism that, that as, as we walk through life, we see things differently and, and God's word is, is ever alive, always new, always fresh. And I was drawn not to justice, kindness, and walk humbly with your God, but I was drawn to the first words of the first two phrases. Do justice, love, kindness, doing love. And as I look through this, what I begin to see is this is proactive commandments. it's, It's easy to talk about justice and doing the right thing and being kind. And we'll all say amen. Amen. Uh, I thought about it. Let, let's try a new thing. I know, I know we're good at O-H-I-O. Can, can we do this A-M-E-N? <laughs> you had to think how it was spelled first. but no, we, won't, we won't stretch you. And so as I worked through these, these passages for this series, what I saw was this, is do justice. What will my life produce? Do is a production verse, verb, or a production word. And, and in essence, what God's saying is your life should produce justice. And so to stand back and not do anything is not acceptable in God's kingdom. To say, well, I would, but I'm so tired is not acceptable to God. Love, kindness. What will I pursue in life? See, see, see these, these verbs at the beginning of these phrases are significant because they call us to action. It's not just about being kind when you have opportunity. It's about pursuing kindness as if it matters. Walk humbly, with your God. And, 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 and I think last time I talked about this, I talked about communion of God. But, but as I looked at this in a different way, I, I saw this in a different way. And what I see is this is a question of who sets the pace or the posture of my life. A couple words I've played around, but the pace of life. And so we're in an Advent series. And we believe with the incarnation 
life has radically been changed, right? We believe, do we believe this? That the Christ event has significantly altered history. Now, now I started in Christmas music this weekend. I did. I think it's allowed now, right? It's not against the law. And so I started on, I have my Spotify classic Christmas songs. And, and uh, you know, my favorite Christmas song is on that list. It's that great hymn of the church, Run, Run, Rudolph. And, uh, <laughs> can we sing that next week, Amy? <laughs> Santa's got to make it to town. But, but in my Spotify list, they have a, a couple of the, the Beatles songs. Uh, McCartney and Lennon have, both of them have Christmas songs. And, and you see the differences in the artist in these songs. And, and some of you are familiar, some of you don't even know who I'm talking about. The Beatles were a group in the 60s <laughs> that my dad hated because people stopped getting haircuts because of the Beatles. It took money out of his pocket, so he didn't like them. But McCartney has a Christmas song that says, simply having a wonderful Christmas time. You guys have heard it. Simply having, right? And Lennon's is, war is over if you want it. You know, John Lennon's no theologian. You know, he's not setting the pace of my Christian walk. But can I tell you, he understood what Christmas meant more than a lot of people in the church. War is over if you want it. See, there's two approaches you can have to Christmas. The first approach is this, is a cute baby story. You know, it's, a, it's a cute story. It's all about good feelings. It's all about love. It's all about you know, the, the, the fuzzy feelings that go around. Or something significant has changed. That, that, that the tilt of history has been shifted. See, the Christmas event, from my perspective, radically changed life. It's not just about, you know, I'm thankful for life after death. But it's not just life after death. It is, war is over if you want it. That there are all these things that we, we, we go through, God has provided a remedy even now that changes even the worst times of our life. Now, in the church, there, there is two, two perspectives. And, and the two perspectives that, that, that the second the, 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 the most prominent perspective in the church now is that things will get worse and worse and worse until God takes us out, right? And, and it seems like it's following that track. And, and many people in the church, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And the only thing that will solve our problems is if Jesus will return and take us out, rapture his church out. And, and you realize that historically speaking, that, that has been the minority view of, the view, of of what's going on in this world. It, it took a 20th century full of two wars and genocide and holocaust and all these terrible things to kind of, kind of beat a church into submission and say, well, we can't do anything. And that's kind of where we are now. 
Many churches are just huddled in the corner waiting for it to end. Kind of like Michigan fans. <laughs> you know, it had to come. With about six minutes left, we're just waiting for the clock to run out. Personally, I'm more comfortable with another approach. You know, that may be. It may be it's going to get worse and worse, and God is going to take his church out, but I'm not comfortable with that because that's not how Jesus lived. Jesus never huddled from anything. But Jesus was active and going and changing the lives of individuals as he was given opportunity. And I believe that's how God calls us to live. There is purpose in the life and death of Jesus. You know, the, the, the death of Jesus and the giving of the Holy Spirit is this enabling that God puts in the life of the Christian that allows us to truly live Micah 6 a. That, that, that without what Jesus did on the cross, without the giving of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, I really can't do justice. I can't pursue kindness. I can't walk humbly with my God like I would like. But the giving of the Holy Spirit changes that. But our focus for this series is not the enabling. We talk about that a lot. But I believe Jesus did more than enable, but Jesus was an example. In Micah, God says, I have told you, old man, what to do. In Jesus, God says, I have shown you what to do. That, 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 that in a lot of ways, the life of Jesus is a completion of Micah 6 8, in that God has said, I told them, they didn't get it. Maybe if I show them, they'll understand what it means. 1 John 2, 6 says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. You know, I, I learn better by seeing. Anybody else like that? You know, I'm a very, very visual learner. Um, I, I think most people learn better by seeing, but I, I'm sure there's exceptions. You know, you see something, how something's done, and, 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 and so you do it. <laughs> You know, now when I have to do something on a car, I go and find a YouTube video. <laughs> Anybody else do that other than me? You, know, you can find YouTube videos showing you how to do anything, and some of them are right. And, uh, but, you know, I'll go and get a, a video and watch that. I, I remember my dad, when I was a younger man, I did things that I would not, I won't do now. Is Ryan not in here? I want to make sure Ryan Castle, he's got all these renovations. I don't want him to know that I have some experience in some of these things because he'll recruit me, won't he, Ambrose? <laughs> well, dad, dad would show us how to do stuff. Well, there he's back there. He sees me. So, so when, when it was time to do plumbing, you know, I've done plumbing, I've done electrical work, I, I've been on roofs and put shingles on, you know, work on cars, all sorts of things. And, and Dad didn't just give me a book and say, hey, Paul, go out and do this. 
but he'd walk me through it. We would do it together. And I'd see how he did it, and, 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 and seeing how he did it, I'd learn how to do it. You know, our Heavenly Father's done the same thing. He didn't just send you a book. He, he didn't just send instructions. But He's walked with us in Jesus. And He's shown us how to live, how to love. And so over the course of this series, we'll, we'll hold up Micah 6.8 and these phrases against the life of Jesus. See, Jesus lived these phrases. Do justice. What will my life produce? The life of Jesus produced justice. And, and, and next week, as we talk about justice, we, we need to rethink our ideal of justice. You know, justice is not Justice League, okay? It's not just, it's not just um, uh, retribution. It's redemptive. That, that in the justice of Jesus, people are lifted, not excluded. Love kindness. What will I pursue in life? Jesus pursued kindness. Walk humbly with your God, who sets the pace of my life. God set the pace of the life of Jesus. You know what Jesus say? I have come to do the will of the one who sent me. <laughs> that's, that's all that matters to me, is that somehow I accomplish the will of God in my life. When we walk like Jesus did, do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God, we re-gift the love of God. Can we go back to where we started in this sermon or earlier in the sermon? In earlier in the sermon, we quoted John 3.16. We talked about John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You know, Jesus was unique. Jesus was the one and only son. But, but what if in the mind of God, he, he wants to continue to send sons and daughters into the world? What, what, what if God wants to send you? What if God wants to send me in the world, into the world to show his love for the world? Could you say your name with this verse? For God so loved the world that he sent Paul. Can you say it with me? Say your name, not my name, okay? For God so loved the world that he sent Paul. In this room, there are sons and daughters of God that, that he is intending to send in the world to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with him. Um, the, the last one we're going to deal with on December 22nd, but, but it's important enough that I think we, we need to touch on it today. Um, because I believe that, that this last one, this walk humbly with our God, is, is so significant that when we fail to do this, it's impossible to do justice and to love kindness. Um, you, you realize God does not sprint through our lives. He's not sprinting through your neighborhood. He's not sprinting through your, your workplace. He's not sprinting through your school. It's an amazing thing about Jesus. 
in the, I, I believe Jesus understood he had a limited time, and yet his, in his limited time, he still took the time to walk slowly with people. You know, after the resurrection, Jesus spent an afternoon walking with two guys on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus took the time to walk and talk with a Samaritan woman at a well. Jesus took time out of his schedule to meet with Zacchaeus. Jesus took time out of his busy preaching and healing schedule to have a party with Matthew and his friends. See, Jesus took time. And God takes time. Can I admit that that's hard for me? Right? Anybody else like me that, man, you, there's too much to do to go too slowly? Anybody else? Give me an amen on that, or don't, make, don't leave me out here hanging, okay? Yeah? You know, as we go through this series, we're going to emphasize angel tree, but we're also going to emphasize love you see. You guys remember love you see? You know, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, I, I've been through a, I've led a, partially led a class um, on our district with a few other pastors as talking about what love you see and what it means. And, 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 and I think with love you see, what, what a lot of people want is quick fix, right? Right? Love you see is not quick fix. Love you see is a stroll through your neighborhood. Love you see is consistent with the God who takes his time. Love you see is consistent with the discipleship process. And I've told them over and over, if it's a program where, if you want to do a program and be done with it and that's it, then love you see is not for you. If love you see was simply something we did in the spring and that was the end, all a bunch of hot air. But if love you see changes how we interact with our neighbors and we begin to see them in a different light and begin to take advantage of the opportunities that God gives, then I believe love you see will have a shelf life of far more than a few weeks. See, and this is the beauty of our God. The, the beauty of our God is he doesn't call us to change everything. God calls us to change the world by changing our neighborhood. The people in relationship with us. And so the question becomes, how can you produce justice in your neighborhood? And that's, that's not just getting those vandals that, that, that are egging your house, okay? And, and it'll have more meaning when we talk about what justice really means or, or one, of the, one of the ways Jesus did justice next week. How can I produce justice in my, in my neighborhood? How can I elevate people in my neighborhood? How can you pursue kindness in your neighborhood? <laughs> How can you how can you not just sit and wait until your neighbor knocks your door down before you go over and show kindness to them? How can you walk slowly 
with God through your neighborhood. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. War is over, if you want it. <laughs> that is your message. <laughs> You've got the greatest message ever to share. You've got the best news anyone can ever hear. War's over if you want it. This isn't an altar call message, but it is a, it is a listen to God message. Uh, it, it's 9.25. Pastor was short today, and all God's people said, Amen. But in my shortness, I want to give you space to hear from him, to walk a little bit slowly this morning and allow God to speak. And then in about two or three minutes, Pastor Bob's going to come and close us in prayer.